calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Shadows at the Door is an audio drama podcast designed to scare and delight you. While rarely explicit, it is nonetheless produced with an adult audience in mind. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 5 of Shadows of the Door, the podcast. I'm your host, Mark Nixon. Now, you may have heard it mentioned by myself and David Alt that Season 2 has, in many ways, been about pushing boundaries. Whether that be in terms of technical direction, employing the audio medium in interesting ways, incorporating a full cast, including my own journey into voice acting, killing David in new and interesting ways, and, of course, story content. And today, we have a story that very much pushes a boundary. The story is called Telltale, and it's written by me. And I like to frame this episode as a sort of Black Mirror experience. Now, Black Mirror, as I'm sure many of you are aware, is an anthology TV show with themes both fascinating and terrible. Most episodes stay with you long after you finish them, but some stay with you forever. And at least in my case, there are some episodes I struggle to rewatch. And if you're interested, these episodes are Crocodile and the National Anthem. Yes, that's the one with the pig. So Telltale may or may not have this impact on you. And while these introductions are normally a little tease from me, said in a way that makes it feel like I'm narrating a BBC documentary, today I have a more pressing reason to speak to you. You'll have noticed we now have a disclaimer at the beginning of all new episodes, but our content is so rarely explicit that there's not much else that needs to be said. 
However, today, it's imperative that we issue a specific trigger and content warning for the following issues. Sexual harassment, sexual assault, and sexual coercion. Now, for this episode more than any other, we strongly advise you join us and our guest star, Erica Sanderson, for a very important discussion. But for now, there's nothing else for me to say, other than to invite you to join me by the fire, pour yourself some tea, so that we may begin. Christ, where do I even start? Well, at the beginning, I suppose. But when even was that? How do you pin this down? Looking back now, I I don't know whether to go back years and years or maybe just at the last straw. Because that's it, isn't it? It's death by a thousand pinpricks. Then what we call the beginning is often the end, and to make an end is to make a beginning. (laughs) This is the end where we start from. (laughs) So, thanks to T.S. Eliot, we'll start near the end, shall we? Even though it was July, it was especially hot. It was stifling. Even the air seemed charged with thunder. I was riding the 62 bus to the neighbourhood at the nicer end of the city, and after peeling myself from the seat, I got off only for a new palpable wave of heat to smother me. And I know it's not the heat, it's the humidity. I've heard it all before. I fucking hate the heat. I fucking hate feeling sticky. I hate how it makes me breathe through my mouth, and I especially hate wearing less. I remember in my early teens feeling older and men beginning to notice me. Being short and well-endowed has been a shitty mix, to say the least. I've always felt this need to cover up, but fuck it, it was boiling and my comfort should be paramount, right? Oh, I prayed for rain. Something to just break the tension in the air. So I was looking for my Airbnb, a converted church somewhere down this street, but surprisingly hard to find. The summer months had been kind to the trees lining the pavement, and their branches hid most of the buildings further down from sight. I didn't want to draw attention like a tourist and walk staring at my phone, but Google Maps was the only thing helping at this point. Confusingly, there was an actual church nearby too. I saw the two men coming my way. They seemed innocent enough, but I made this awful pantomime gesture of looking at my phone, looking across the street, smiling to myself, then nodding, and then crossing. All bullshit, of course. Very English, but that's what you have to do sometimes. The church was big enough to contain a handful of flats. My booking was owned by a couple I'd been speaking to on the app. They were nice, perhaps to a fault quintessentially middle class, late thirties, dual income, no kids, and had seemingly spent a fair amount of time travelling. Their profile photo was a selfie in the Blue Lagoon in Iceland. It was cute in a generic sort of way. (sighs) 
I was close to giving up and calling them when I saw the church tower poking out from the trees. Finally. Afternoon. Oh, hi. Beth, right? That's me. You must be... Oh, hang on, let me put my bag down. Oh, no, no, let, let me get it. Oh, um, I'm okay, really. Oh, nonsense. Where would my manners be? <laughs> Honestly. Give it here. There we are. Thanks. So, you must be Simon. <laughs> so the wife mentioned me, did she? Uh, yeah, I mean, the account is under both your names. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, Christ, what have you got in here? <laughs> oh, after you. Thanks. Yeah, I leave all the app stuff to Gwen, to be honest. I maintain the flats, do the paperwork, and that kind of thing. Oh, right, okay. So, how long has the church been converted? It was the late 90s, so you're talking around 20 years. Oh, nice! So, is Gwen in the flat? Phew. Oh, no, 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 she's, uh, she's gone off to Canada to see her sister. Oh, that's a shame. Would have been nice to meet her. She might be back before you leave. It depends when she gets sick of it, really. Uh, we're just down here. He'd already looked down my top twice. He thought he'd been discreet, but in fact had been as subtle as a ton of bricks. Here we are. I'll just uh, leave your bag here, shall I? Thanks. Oh, it's lovely. Yeah, we like to think so. A little bigger than the photos would have you believe. Yeah, it's the exposed beams, I think. It makes the place a little more cosy, but as you say, smaller. Yeah. I love the reading window. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it jumped out at me when I was browsing online. The gothic archway and the cushions. Gorgeous. <laughs> That's Gwen for you. She knows her stuff. Clearly. So, you're a bit of a bookworm, then? You could say that, yeah. Well, there's loads of books here if you fancy it. Thanks. I've got plenty to get me through, though, to be honest. Right, of course, yeah. Still, there's some right gems there. Mm-hmm. You've got the church across the road. It's quite nice on mornings if you leave your window open, but uh, not too early, though. So, uh, what brings you to town? Nothing much, really, but... On that matter, I should really get settled. Yeah, right. Um, so, there's plenty of hot water so you can shower as much as you like, a few bits of bobs in the cupboards that you're more than welcome to a snack, and there's an old Xbox by the TV if you fancy it. And these are yours. Thanks. Well, I guess that's me then. Um, you can contact me via the app if there's anything you need. Uh, well, actually, if you don't fancy that hassle, um, here is my direct number. Um, right. Thanks. And I'm just across the hall in number 10 if you need anything. Thanks, Simon. Oh, friends call me Cy. Honestly, anything you need, day or night, shoot me over a text or just pop in across the hall, yeah? Noted. Thanks very much. All right, then. Well, I, uh, I best leave you to it. Thanks a lot. Ugh. Right then. 
Where's the charger? Come on, I know I had you in here. Come on, where are you? Ah, there you are, you little sensor. Three times. He squeezed an extra peak just at the end there. But, check-in sorted, and I don't really have to see him again until check-out. Now for the break to begin in earnest. The flat was really nice, that wasn't just pleasantries. Nicer still now that I had it to myself, mind. I did a quick look at the bookshelves, it was mostly coffee table books there to impress more than anything, and the usual suspects of a basic novel collection including a Stephen King set that clearly hadn't been opened once. When I sat to take my shoes off, I noticed the Kama Sutra and a book on massage near the bed. Next to it was some kind of plastic spider-looking thing that I soon realised was a massage tool. A lovely reminder that Simon and his wife, and indeed strangers, had fucked in this bed. Pleasant. Come on. Where are you? <laughs> Keys. Keys. <laughs> oh, come on. Oh, I can hear you, but I can't see you. so I wouldn't wake you. Nah, you're right. I don't drift off until late anyway. Oh, are you okay? I hurt my head. But it's okay. I'm just... I'm just a little drunk. Just a little? Just a little. Shh. <laughs> Here, let me, let me help you up. <laughs> yeah, well, it's been a while since I had to pick Gwen up like this, is all. I can't find my keys. Pass it here. You can't go through a lady's bag, Simon. Well, okay, uh, here's a little trick then. Can you stand on your own? I can. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> yes. Okay then. Oh. Okay, yeah, oh, so you can. Right then. Uh, where is it? Uh, uh -huh. A secret key. A secret key. I keep one to both flats in case of emergencies, drunk or otherwise. Just make sure you find the other one, yeah? Oh, they're in the bag, for sure. Good, good. Here, let me help you in. Oh, thanks, Simon. I told you, call me Sai. All right. Sai. <laughs> Right, let's let's get you let's get you on the bed. Mm, oh, and mm. get the light on. <sighs> Fucking hell, Beth. What? You look amazing. Bloody hell. Oh, it's for me, not for you. Oh, besides, you've got a wife. I know, I'm not doing anything, but Christ. Go away. 
Sure, let me, okay, let me just get you a glass of water first. Thanks for helping me. All part of the service. Wait, not just... Just maybe leave a glowing review, eh? Here, get this down, you. Beth? Okay. Well, good night. I know. I should come and see you guys more often. Oh, hang on. I'll call you back. Okay, yep. Bye. Ugh. Oh, hi. Hey. Can I help? Is everything okay? Oh, uh, yeah, of course. I, um, I was just wondering if, uh, actually, can I come in? Sure. Cheers. I was just wondering if you were okay today. Yeah. After last night, sorehead maybe? Oh, right. Yeah, oh, Christ, yeah. Sorry, Simon, I blanked for a moment there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might not remember. <laughs> oh, man, no, I know, I, I do. Uh, trust me. Um, <clears throat> but listen, if this is about the noise I made, or if I made a scene coming home, it, it oh, won't no, happen no, again, no, no, honestly. No, no. Seriously, don't worry about it. I haven't seen my friends in literally years, and we... <laughs> Oh, we had so much fun catching up. But I let it get away from me, and I won't be hitting the drink that hard again this weekend for sure. Hangover? You could say so. That explains the curtains. <laughs> yeah. Have you had any painkillers? Probably too many. <laughs> okay, good. Listen, Simon, I'm, I'm really okay. Are you sure you're not pissed off with me? Full disclosure, I just wanted to make sure you were okay. You were pretty out of it last night, and I wanted to make sure you didn't drown in your own vomit. I put you in the recovery position, actually. You put me in the recovery position? Yeah, before I left you passed out on the bed, so, um... Well, I, I mean, I'm first aid trained. Okay, that I don't remember, but thanks. But you're sure you're okay? Yes, honestly. My head is splitting, but yeah, otherwise... It... Yeah, Whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, I used to get migraines in college. My girlfriend uh, at the time used to rub my temples like this for me. Uh, it's uh, really nice, isn't it? Simon, Don't I... mention it. Honestly, it's my pleasure. I love to help. Um, uh, um, I, uh, I liked your dress last night. Simon, I'm really not into oh, this. Come on, have you seen how you're dressed? This is what I wear for bed. Still, your dress yesterday and what you were wearing when you checked in didn't leave much to the imagination. I thought you wanted guys to look. It was hot! Still. Look, Simon, I just want to nurse my hangover and read today, yeah? And what about Gwen? Oh, no, 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 it's fine, it's fine. Um, she's away and it doesn't, it doesn't matter anyway. 
Hey, I might just go out anyway. We don't have to talk about this again. Um, I'm just going to oh, go Oh, seriously, no, I'm sorry. And, no, you um, don't have to go. Can, can you let go of my arm? Oh, Christ. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, Christ. Look, Simon, I'm flattered, well, but... Well, I'm glad. Um, look, I'm sorry you just look so amazing and Gwen's away. It's been a while. Uh, I mean, Christ, you're beautiful. You must know that, right? Thank you. Can I maybe get changed and go out? Could I just talk to you a little longer? I, I, I mean, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. Simon, you're in my way. Seriously, I just want to smooth this out. Please, Beth, don't be like this. Then I'll leave, promise. Look. What are you doing? Something you want. This is what you want, isn't it? Um, I... I mean, yeah. Christ. Oh. Do you like this? Oh, yeah. Good. I had to do it. Okay? Now, you could sit there and listen and say you wouldn't have done the same, but I didn't feel safe. And if this is what I could do to get him out of here without him doing something to me, then... Well, I took that option. Put yourself in my shoes and tell me you wouldn't do the same. Sorry, I was some. <laughs> Honestly, it's okay. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh. oh, Christ, your hand. Uh, look, I'm sorry, Fred. I've, uh, I've made a right mess. <laughs> I'm just going to hop in the shower. It's fine. Yeah, good idea. <clears throat> that that was really lovely. Seriously. Good. I'll just, I'll just go. Drop me a line if you need anything. Okay. Um. I hope your head feels better. <laughs> Thanks, Simon. And that was the last straw. No fucking more. Even as he was leaving, he looked. After that, his gaze just never fucking stopped. Not just him, but all men. 
There aren't bad men and good men. There are just men. Simon might have been a nice guy in some other walks of life, but it's certainly in this one he never stopped fucking doing what he did. Not even after he'd been sated. I had to know. I'd looked him up. He'd snooped on me and it was only fair that I did the same. His Instagram was pretty benign. Sunsets and trips to the pub. Basic shit. But he had a decent following on Twitter and I went back and viewed tweets from weeks, months, even years ago. He called out racists and turfs. He signed petitions for better public funding and he and his wife seemed to regularly donate to the local food bank. Mind you, you don't have to tell people about your good deeds. Viewed through the lens of Twitter, Simon was a perfectly nice, even good man. But we do craft these images of ourselves, don't we? I'm not saying Simon deliberately created a nice guy persona to detract from other things. Far from it. I'm sure each tweet is earnest. Okay, maybe some virtue signalling, but I'm sure he believes he's a good guy. Because nobody is the villain in their own story, are they? And people aren't villains. They're too complex, too unique, and nobody is entirely good or bad, even when they try. I had to see him. No, no, you, you, you misunderstand. No, you misunderstand. I had to see him. I had to see what he was like when he was at peace, when his eyes were closed, when he couldn't fucking look. I had to know if there was more good or bad in him. Was it my fault? No. No, of course it fucking wasn't. <sighs> but, anyway, like I said, I had to see. It was precisely 2.15am. Calculated as such because I could hear him binging a show until 12.15 and then I gave him two hours to get settled and fall into a deep sleep. Sadly, he didn't seem to snore, so there had been guesswork involved. It didn't matter anyway. I certainly wasn't tired. I could have stayed up all night if I had to. I walked so softly gently lifting my feet and landing them as gently as a cat. I'd considered sliding them, but even barefoot, the movement would have made too much noise. In a building as old as this, each noise resonated and bounced off the walls. Even my breath was timed with the steps. I wasn't going to get caught out that way. No fucking way. I may have been completely pissed last night but I still remembered what he said about his key. I slid it from the hiding place and unlocked the door. Thankfully, it was a latch key, so a slow, gentle turn was enough. <laughs> you should have seen me. I was so quiet. The door opened so slowly that even if you were looking right at it, you wouldn't have noticed. 
He had carpet. Good quality, too. Thick, or is it deep? Enough to smother my footsteps and allow me almost complete confidence to approach his bedroom door. By this time, my eyes had adjusted to the dark. I could practically see as well as I could during the day. I felt like I'd missed my calling. I should have been doing corporate espionage or something. (laughs) Here was his room. A one-bedroom flat and the bathroom door was already open. This one was even ajar, so I didn't even have to turn the handle. He didn't snore per se, but he was certainly asleep. I could see clearly from here. Felt like I belonged in the dark. But there he was, sound asleep, not a care in the world. Twat. He'd been lying on his back, but he turned towards the door now. I kept incredibly still, unmoving. Even if he opened his eye, all he could see was a vague shape at the door. A shadow. But were his eyes open? There was a glisten about them, as if what little light there was reflected in the moisture of his eyes. He was asleep, that much was true, but his eyes were ever so slightly open. Toward me. Even in his fucking sleep, he couldn't help himself. Still, though, I needed to be sure. By the door he had one of those salt lamps and I could see it had a dimmer switch. I gently took the cord and ever so slightly turned the switch. A warm orange hue bathed the room, relaxing in any other circumstance I'd imagine. Instead for me, the light gave his slack face life. It proved once and for all his eyes were ever so slightly parted. The shadows turned his open mouth into a smile. He mocked me. Even in his sleep he took the pace. No. Enough. No more. I approached him, taking a pillow as he lay sprawled in the middle of the bed. I had to put one knee on the bed to get close to him, and those horrible eyes. His eyes met mine in the low orange glow of the room. 
In his, I saw confusion until the penny finally dropped. Then fear. And soon only anger. I was already atop him. Funny how the thing he'd wanted was now very much the thing he didn't. In those moments, seconds, minutes, an eternity, who knows, his heart began to beat harder in his chest. So much so that I heard the low thump, thump, thump as it pounded in against his own ribs. It was deafening. Beth, put the pillow down. Now. I'm small, but I know what I'm doing. I pinned my knee against his chest and pressed my weight into both it and the pillow. I locked my arms into place. I knew I couldn't beat him in pure strength, so I had to be tactical about it and lock my entire body into position. No thumping. I even checked. I removed the pillow and closed his eyes. Finally. Finally, he stopped looking. Two days passed. Tomorrow was checkout day and I'm happy to report I'd been able to slowly enjoy the rest of my weekend. Even after spending the entire day cleaning his flat the day before, my wrists still aching from soaring and hands irritated by bleach and friction. Nope, today was my day off. My true day off. I was ploughing through my novel and on my second glass of Pinot. This is what I had come for. To get away from it all. To hide. To relax. Oh, best laid plans and all that. Hello? Afternoon, madam. I'm Officer Price. This is Officer Robinson. Mind if we come in for a word? Mind if I ask what this is about? We're investigating the disappearance of Mr. Simon Carter. Oh. God, is he okay? Yeah, yeah, come in, please. Sorry, I was just trying to have a quiet day. Any way I can help, really. I'm Beth, by the way. Beth Miller. Beth Miller. Is that short for Elizabeth? No. Thank you. Poor Simon. Yes, I understand he owns this property. Yeah, I'm renting this through Airbnb, from him and his wife. Oh, where are my manners? Can I get the two of you a drink? Oh no, thank you. Are you sure? They have a great coffee machine here. Really? We're fine, thank you. Let me know if you change your mind. Sure. So it was Mrs Carter who called in the report. Uh, She's on a flight back to the country as we speak. Her husband hasn't responded in a few days and nobody can get through to his phone or social media accounts. And that's unusual. Mr Price is also known to be an active social media user, so yes. 
nothing on Twitter or Facebook or...? No. Uh, so we visited his flat and we just wanted to check in and see what contact you've had with Mr Carter. Of course, right. Um, so he showed me around on check-in. What day was this? Miss Miller? The day? <laughs> Sorry, I was miles off. Um, Thursday. The 7th? Yeah. Hmm. And uh, any other times? Once or twice. He helped me get home safely on Thursday night after I stumbled in after a night out. <laughs> helped you get home yeah. safely? Uh, did he pick you up? No. No. Um, no. He heard me come in and helped me get the door open. And what time was this, roughly? Oh, I'm sorry, I've got no idea. The drink. <laughs> so late, then? Late, yes. And any other times? Miss Miller? Um... I'm sorry, do you hear that? Hear what? Never mind. So, did you see Mr Carter after the night you returned intoxicated? Um... I wouldn't say so, no. Are you okay? How do you not hear that? Hear what? That! The fucking beating! And Miss Miller? No! Oh, for fuck's sake! What? I did it! I admit it! I fucking did it! Now shut the prick up! I beg your pardon! I did it! I admit it! I killed him! I was really fucking sly, but he will not leave me alone! Uh, Miss Miller! the piss! He just won't stop! He won't ever stop! Check the fridge! He's in there! Most of him, that is! Chopped up into pieces! His heart! His heart is in there too, and it won't stop! His eyes aren't, though! No, 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 no! Those went down the garbage disposal! (laughs) Horrible things! Call this in. Beth Miller, I'm arresting you on suspicion of murder. You do not have to say anything, but it may harm your defence if you do not mention when questioned something which you later rely on in court. Anything you do say may be given in evidence. Mad. They think I'm mad. Well, they didn't use that word. It's all very PC now, isn't it? But a spade is a spade, and I know what they mean by unfit to plead and diminished responsibility. Thought a bit insulting, really. No history of mental illness, I hasten to add. Just too much bullshit and a simple snap. <laughs> but I will admit one thing, I can. Hang on. Come closer. Closer. There we are. I can hear everything now. I can hear everything from high heaven to low hell. But don't tell anyone, okay? I can even hear the doctors at the door. They think I don't know that they're there, but I do. I just won't entertain them. I haven't got the time or the energy. You know, if I was really mad, I would have run screaming into his room with all the frenzy of, well, (laughs) a mad woman. And I wouldn't have used a knife. That could have been easier than a Who was she talking to exactly? I have no idea. This is new behaviour. Hmm. Think we need to revisit the diagnosis. Let's organise a meeting. Yeah. Christ, she's really going on, isn't she? Well, I hope whoever she's talking to is enjoying themselves. (laughs) 
Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Written by me, Mark Nixon, and I'm joined as always by the wonderful David Alt. But of course, we are joined by our guest star, the phenomenal Erica Sanderson. Thank you. Hello. Woohoo! Oh, yay! Bless you. Thank you. Yay. Loads of applause. Yay! <laughs> it's lovely working with you again, Erica. As always with you, sir, as well. Oh, yes, indeed. And uh, does this count to our um, f- fatal tallies? Well, it's not no sleep, so I suppose not. But I think it's uh, it's maybe we just start a new tally with with, for, for shadows, yeah. Because after for, all, for other stuff. Uh, well, actually, technically, Mark, wouldn't you say that in uh, uh, Saint Jobby Watts, it's Thingamy Bob? Uh, you know the other one that is Erica that a brand of crisps or something? <laughs> the the other one that Erica was in, um, Cannon Albrecht. Oh, there you go. Season the Cannon two Albrecht episode three, Cannon Albrecht. Yeah. <laughs> in the in the show that you help run, David. Yeah, that's yes. the one. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, in Cannon Albrecht's scrapbook, uh, you know how um, Erica was the one that brought me the scrapbook. Does that? Does that mean that she is di- indirectly responsible for my no, death? No, because Ooh, Erica only tenuous. brought the scrapbook because she was asked to by her father. And then as Deniston leaves, she then approaches Deniston with a crucifix for his protection. Yeah, oh, okay, exactly. Okay. I was getting, there is protection there, so okay. <laughs> that came out wrong. <laughs> of all episodes, this is not the one I want sexual innuendo in. <laughs> <laughs> It's going so well already. Oh, <laughs> but yes, I think I, all of this will be in the final edit. Though. I'm happy with this. So. <laughs> but yes, I think definitely we've uh, that. That's that's one nil to you on on that score. I think. Okay. On the new and shadows Erica of the door. Erica killed you in a story I provided to. Actually, no. Erica didn't kill you in the first story I wrote for No Sleep, but Erica did kill you in Zwergen Pond. She did. Yes. Fairly violently after leading me on, but I was being played as a nice guy there that suddenly got 
their comeuppance. Well, there was a lesson to learn. Mm-hmm. In, Stop in being a nice cases. guy. No, well, I know, but when you say nice guy, you've got to put it in quotation marks because he's doing the air quotes again. He's doing the air I quotes. Am. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, someone's listened to Drunk Ghost Stories. I know. Before. I've listened. I've listened to uh, the latest episode of Drunk Ghost Stories. Yes. <laughs> that one is filth, Erica. Was that like that's not a good way to get to know me? <laughs> <laughs> so, Telltale, purposely titled Telltale because it is an extremely loose adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart, and this was a a tough episode to write. To produce and and I imagine to perform. Mm-hmm. Erica, uh, shall we discuss the process of when you were recording it and what you were doing? Um, well, I was actually I was messaging you part way through um, to just kind of check in, and then there was there was one point where I just kind of had to had to stop and take a bit of a break, and I think I even sent you a photo of my face having just done a particular scene and you were immediately like oh my god are you okay and it was like yes yes i'm fine i just i just need a moment um, i am an actor mark <laughs> <laughs> actor five years of training um and yeah i was very quickly after that um i was fine and everything and it was just i remember writing to you at the time and saying you know it's a uh, it's difficult to describe but yes i, f- I actually feel really really good because from a performance um aspect of getting being able to perform something that is incredibly powerful and intense and emotional um it's like one of those little rare gifts that you get as an actor to really kind of go full out um which i did but then you just kind of have to take a step back and go oh okay i've done that scene and i'm not going to do it again mm. um there are <laughs> there are some stories that i've done for no sleep as well where um I can only record them once. I can't do multiple takes, so I have to take a deep breath, do it, and then I just have to walk away from it. Mm. Um, so I, I've I finished that, and it was like, yep, I'm fine, but just to let you know, I've done this. Here's a photo of my face. Um, uh, a bit bleary-eyed, a bit teary. And and then we, we moved on as well. And I think it definitely helped, because I also spoke to you before recording about splitting the narration... Mm. And the dialogue, because the narration alone jumps around um, as a character uh, where mm. she's kind of playing with um, the, the the madness and everything like that. And then being able to switch from that back into everyday dialogue, I thought would would be too would be too messy. So I did I did the narration first and sent that to you. And then I went back and then I did uh, the dialogue um, as a performance uh, knowing that I was working opposite the wonderful Mr. Alt. <laughs> mm. I'm glad you did that, actually, because um, you, you sound almost like two different people in the narration and the, you know, before the uh, the trauma and, and after. It, it is like two different people. But I listened to your narration all in one go just to kind of get a feel for the way you're going for the character. But when you sent me the dialogue a couple of days later, I just decided to listen to it as I was editing it together. So each time I heard it, it was in the story. And and I've said this to you, um, but I admit, in the after David's character leaves, after the assault has happened, well, whatever you want to call it, um, it's happened, that breakdown that you have 
uh, I'm, I'm honestly reduced me to tears. Uh, it was mm-hmm. extremely powerful, and and I was like, "Fuck!" Like you can write this, but you can't possibly imagine performing it. And and even like David, because I thought like the script says like like I have to write the word like orgasm, and I thought, "Oh, David's gonna have a bit of a giggle over this," and and and. It was quite uncomfortable to hear David's side of it as well. And then to put it together, and then... And before we started recording, I said I didn't want to have too many jokes because of the, of the issue. But then I thought, how the fuck am I going to do the sound effects for this <laughs> bit? <laughs> mm. Yeah. It's this. It's, it's me rubbing my arm. <laughs> so... Yes, it was... Um... I, I've only done noises like that once before and it was many many years ago and it was during something in an acting capacity in an right? act, yeah <laughs> <laughs> um uh and and it was consensual and loving and yes we were recording five thousand miles apart and two weeks distant um but it was that was I, I enjoyed listening back to that. It really worked. It was it was and uh, I, I'll admit that I haven't listened to this yet, but to to do those same noises again, but from a non consensual and yes, it it, it was. It, it was very, very awkward to be standing here and doing that. Mm. Doing that that kind of it, it's it's it, it was Ooh, yeah. But you find that you have to distance yourself anyway. You do absolutely. Ev- yes. Even as the character, and, and again, I, I was when I was writing to Mark before the kind of like the, the big breakdown, the, the the dialogue that she gives while she's per- performing the the hand job. Um, I sort of wanted to play it as almost like a a cut off, a distance. So mm. in the script, there were clues that she is sort of trying to. Um, emotionally remove herself from the situation mm. and so I the delivery was you know very neutral not emotional and there was this um, yeah trying to as I say remove herself from the actual act itself mm, mm-hmm. and there is I, I, there are times where when you're playing a character you, you're thinking oh no don't do this but you've, you know, you've got to deliver the lines and you've got yeah, uh, and there are few worse than when you are having to do something like that. Quite mm. simply, yeah. it's it's strange in the fact that Simon doesn't think it's what it is. I know he doesing, doesn't. You know, I, <laughs> he's I like ching. Yeah, yeah. I think the direction at one point says he can't believe his luck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so oof. I think I think it was the line that always just made my my skin crawl. Was like, oh, that that's, that that was really lovely. <laughs> but then he wants to stay and talk afterwards and and make it all okay. Well, after the act, he's quite keen to get out because, um, mm. uh, yeah, like I think you know he's got that post clarity and the uh, you know he's a bit embarrassed and vulnerable and. Mm. Probably remembering that he's married. Mm, it's early. It's <laughs> earlier on where he's sort of trying to trying to get as much out of as much time out of the out of the meeting as possible, and you're just thinking, no, 
No, please no. I was really kind of... I mean, David will know um, that I've been talking about this episode for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I got the idea. I read... Because we were talking about doing a Poe adaptation for this series, weren't we? Mm-hmm. We were, yes. And and I was rereading them, and I thought, I love Telltale, but it's so bloody short, and it isn't supernatural. And then I just I just got this idea that... Because um, the, the eye in the original story is not described well, and I think my interpretation is that it's a glass eye. He had the eye of a vulture. Ooh. A bright blue eye with a film over it. Oh, there, oh hello, Poe. Hello. Uh, Edgar. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, so, um, well, there's that. there's that. I obviously wasn't reading it too carefully because I was too busy thinking, <laughs> what if the narrator is a woman? And then to me, that, that eye becomes the male gaze. And, and I actually went to Twitter, and I've got to thank everyone that responded because I said, should I, a cis white man, <laughs> write a story about sexual harassment slash assault? And the, the, the overwhelming response was, yes, you should, but you should get women to read it. Well, ask them. One uh, writer friend said, I would prefer you didn't, because men are tourists in this area. However, having said that, a writer should never do as they're told. And you should still write this story, even though I don't want you to. And um, and then I went to Facebook, and, and I was like... And then and then I just wanted to kind of increase my understanding about it. I said, does anyone want to share... I mean, it sounds awful to say it like this, but I said, if anyone's willing to share any stories of when men have harassed them, but, like, they've... The, the guys have probably felt like that they weren't. And a few friends uh, came into my direct messages and I got some really... I got more than I bargained for and, and, and my eyes were really widened to how many experiences these people had been through. But uh, one friend of mine uh, gave me a, a, a story about how she, on a date, had gone back to the guy's flat under a false pretense and then she felt extremely unsafe and in order to leave had to perform a sex act on him. Um, which he would have thought, as Erica says, ka-ching. And she volunteered to read the script for me, and I sent it to her, and I said, look, some of that might seem a little bit familiar. And she was very happy with it, and I think it really resonated with her. And she actually asked me to share her story um, on this discussion, just so we, that we know that, the, the, you know, to some extent, there's a real person in that scene, but also... Um, and I'm very aware that I'm speaking on behalf of women with a woman here, but like, <laughs> you know, these these are possibly real stories. And I think when Alana, who's in our cast, she, she read the script and she described the scene where she's checking in. She said every woman's been in a position where they're like, "Don't be that guy," mm. to the, you know, when he's staying a bit too long. And I just, I'm just very aware with this story, even now, like with it all been produced, that it's kind of borrowed. And then it's not mine, if you know what I mean. Was all that very pretentious? No. Nope. Or bad? Because, <laughs> no. okay. No. Okay. Yeah. I mean, with, with, with all of this, the thing that I just keep going over and over in my head is is everything about um, the Me Too. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. And and you know it brings it brings back all sorts of sort of uh, memories and things about that. And yeah, you you do find yourself in you know I've never been in that exact situation, but you know there are many sort of little incidents that I can go back. Uh, you know, I'll hold my hands up and say I'm very very lucky, very very 
um, happy that I've I've never been a sort of like a, a victim of um, major harassment or, or anything like that. I've never found myself in any sort of dangerous situations. But there are lots and lots and lots of little microaggressions that I've had, mm. you know, all my life. And and yeah, with a story with a story like this, it's interesting to play, you know, what that can do. And there's that one line about um, snapping mm. at the end. And, you you know, it's it's all of those little things. And even going right back to the beginning, you know, where she's talking about, and in some ways I found it so natural, you know, the thing about I spotted those two guys and then I did this big charade and then I, I crossed the road. Mm. You know, and it's those things, you know, you do, you cross the road. I have my keys in my hand and I will put them between my fingers in my fist and I'll keep them in my pocket. Mm. And these are things that you do by second nature. And it was, you know, it's it's things like that, and then you just kind of get to take it to the extreme, which again is 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 um. So as a as a woman, I've got that sort of side to it, and then as as an actor, I've got um, you know the. This utter powerhouse of a role to really just kind of. Throw myself into, and yeah, very very emotional. So, thank you because it was um. It's not quite the right words to say it was a joy to play, but it felt it felt very empowering mm. to to really kind of go full on with that emotion and that not only the the distraught, which you know can be quite cathartic emotionally with the rest of the shit that is going on right now. Sometimes we all just need a big cry. Um, oh, yeah. So that was so that was really helpful, and then mm. also just the sheer anger and rage and frustration and um i think it was the actual the, the actual murder bit that i did where i just you know um i'm quite as even though i'm a voice actor you can you can see me over the um video at the moment but i can't talk without my hands <laughs> waving everywhere um, me too yeah. <laughs> and and as a voice actor uh i've said this to people who have asked me about how you know my work my own work process and everything i i do tend to physicalize things and and i just remember the sheer strength that I felt when I clenched my fists and locked my arms and I was doing some sort of vague <laughs> foley for the murder and yeah and then when I break off from that you know your hands are kind of like shaking you've got all this adrenaline going through and it's a bit like that's a bit of a rush isn't it <laughs> you can hear that in the performance though and Poor David had to get a pillow as well. I did, yeah. <laughs> just smother himself <laughs> with it. But um, but but thank you for your kind words, Eric. And because I'm British and I mark, um, I'll have to make a joke and say you can come back. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> what I liked about the murder scene is, I just wanted her to have like a dimmer switch, and I love salt lamps. I think they're so nice and relaxing. And I thought, oh, I'll just put a salt lamp in the scene so that something relaxing becomes something. Horrible. And you nearly killed him with a salt lamp because when I was writing the script, I didn't know how you were going to kill him. And initially, I thought that you might sneak back out of the room to get a knife from the kitchen, sneak back in. Uh, and then I thought, no. And then I thought, oh, kill him with a salt lamp. I thought, no, because it'll probably break up anyway. Oh, pillow. That's a good way to murder David. If I were ever going to murder David, that's how I would do it. Mm. <laughs> I can think of better ways. <laughs> <laughs> but even but even the description because you know she's described as being you know 
quite short um and knowing how she has to use her own diminutive stature and, and body weight against him like you know she's got the knee on his chest she's straddling him and then it's the locking of the arms and just you know yeah mm. i found that quite and she's thought about this it's not something that she just kind of because she talks about you know oh, i could have run in and got a knife and run in screaming and ah, ee, 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 ee. So you don't have to search for the psycho music. Um, <laughs> oh, I wouldn't right now. This is far too somber. <laughs> and, and she even talks about, you know, that would that'd be way, but there is something you know, that's very, very deliberate about getting the pillow, straddling him in some sort of macabre twisted, because there's that moment where he looks up at her and it's like this is this is he realizes that this isn't what he wanted because he wakes up and there's a woman straddling him oh and, and Erica, you're like, ad lib at that point that wasn't in the script you just go hush now i thought what a good line I thought, That's did going I? In. you did you fucking ad lib that <laughs> <laughs> it, i think i think the scripts at that point says um like she kind of like winces as she gets as the bed creaks yeah and you start just going, shush now. No, like, no, it's, in, no, it's in the, the floorboards. Sorry? It, no, it's the, no, it's the floorboards. There's a line that says she shushes the floorboards. So I gave you about half a dozen of those. I'm talking oh, to the Oh, well, I've completely misinterpreted. Now you say that to Simon before you kill him. Ooh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't even pay attention to my own script. I think it's because it just... I, it went through a few rewrites when I got some feedback off of off a, about five different... Uh, five different women and and it it took a long time to write anyway like i got stuck like the last scene i wrote was actually the drunk scene in the hallway because um i had to get the horrible scene out um mm. and then i thought i can write around it because i couldn't concentrate because i knew the horrible scene was coming one thing i was patting myself on the back for that absolutely no one got when they read the script <laughs> Is uh, there is a significance as to why Simon is put in the fridge? Uh, the the two being in the original story, he's under the floorboards. But I don't think Erica would waste her time. Erica, sorry, I don't think Beth would have dug up like taken up the floorboards and put him under. Um, I had described it as being very hot, so I thought you're not going to want to put a body there anyway. And it was meant to be a reference for fridging. So fridging is a term. That a I think a woman came up with on a PhD where it came from a comic book where Green Lantern was given a girlfriend in order for her to be murdered a few episodes later just to give him some motivation. Ooh. And he he comes home from saving the day and she's literally in the fridge, been murdered. And it was described that fridging is something that happens to a lot of female characters just to give men motivation. And apparently it's it's it is particularly rife. With uh, lesbian characters, uh, Tara from Buffy being a very good example. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and apparently, I thought this term was very wildly known, and I'm sat there going, Maha, "The scholars will appreciate why he's in the fridge." And the blank looks you both just gave me over Skype just now. <laughs> <laughs> it's this thing that women are used to be plot points, and I'm I'm actually writing an adaptation of a classic story right now. And there's a female character in it who is, she's literally just motivation for uh, our protagonist. I'm not going to name the story because I'm being a bit coy, but um, <laughs> off record, it's <laughs> um, But I'm in, I was just, just before you guys called, I, I'm writing the scene where I'm giving her control of the scene. Because I'm like, come on, it's like, I just, I can't stand, and I know I'm a male writer and I'm going to make this mistake myself, but like, I just, 
I would just like a little bit more empowerment for them. I don't want women to be blamed for regicide. And, you know... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, David. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Don't worry. No, it, it's just I, just... I just want women to have a bit more agency in these things. And that's why I... You know, and I like reading... I just I enjoy it. It just... Yeah. They're not just pretty things on the shelves. And, um... Ah! I wouldn't have written this story if Erica wasn't performing it. Because I had this deal with Erica as to how many episodes she was going to be in. It was like a full one, and then a small role in another one. And I thought... And then I kept saying, which script will I give to Erica? And I thought, I want to really use Erica's ability. So then... I started writing Telltale. I thought, right, that's it. I'm going to get full Erica Sanderson experience here. (laughs) Yeah, and I remember I sent it to one of these friends of mine that read the script and they said, are your actors going to be okay? And it says, I've got so much faith in Erica and David that I, I don't feel any qualms. Yeah, I was saying to Erica, actually, the, the end of her performance where she's like, like the script gives you full permission to just what, what did you put in there to chew the scenery <laughs> chew the scenery oh yes yes all of that and then you told me well it's all going to be like muted and stuff so no one's actually going to hear it because we're talking I was like oh okay because Alana and I will be talking over you <laughs> it's just a shame so if anybody wants the full you know version I'm sure you know Mark can release a director's cut where you can mm. get the full performance for, uh, oh, the, I, the final every speech. now and again I get people angry that they can't hear the Carrot Museum speech that David does, that David and I hid in the number thirteen episode. That really that yeah that does have to be released at some point. Maybe that'll be the uh, the interseason break episode. But no, your ramble at the end. You're basically you basically just start reading the second paragraph of the actual story from Poe. I think I just put that in at that point because I thought, ah, can't be asked. I just <laughs> this script's taking a lot out of me. <laughs> yeah now the problem is with this is that you know as people have heard there were trigger warnings before the story started which i've never felt like i've had to do before in season two i've introduced a you know this podcast is is written with an adult audience in mind but i had to give specific trigger warnings at the beginning of this one and i've been trying to find some sort of international um helpline for women and, and of course no such thing exists and I can't really sit here and start listing every country and the, what, what you can contact if you've been affected. So I feel a little bit irresponsible almost for like presenting this story and I can't offer the links of where to go. But I guess I'll just say that if the story has affected you in any way, please do speak to someone you trust and, and do reach out, you know, whether it be to a professional or, um, or to a friend. And, you know, please, you know, yeah. And and well, I suppose also if someone comes to you and asks you to listen and to help, then listen and help with no judgment in mind. Mm. Mm. Because one of the things that uh, mean that uh, these kind of things are able to carry on is people who don't believe or who dismiss it as laughs and banter and all this kind of thing. Uh, And I am, again, very well aware that I am possibly mansplaining at the moment. But it's the the culture of silence that, that led to me too. 
and going back to that, I honestly don't know if you want to include this or not. Um, like I say, the, the 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 I suppose if I'm going deeply personal, my Me Too moment um, happened during a show when I was about fifteen or sixteen, and um, the a guy I was playing opposite. Uh, we'd been rehearsing fine no problem at all it was quite it was a bit of an intimate scene and um he was a lot older than I was married family and everything and during the performance he decided to go for a bit of a grope and everything and I was in the middle of stage so I couldn't do it when we got off stage um something snapped in me and I I have a vivid memory of throwing him up against the wall with my forearm against his throat so I actually threw him up against the wall of the wings of the theatre and said, don't you ever do that to me ever again. And then I decided to publicly humiliate him in front of the rest of the cast by telling everybody very, very loudly what he had done. And at first everyone was like, oh, I can't believe he did that to you. Ah, ah, ah. And um, kind of I felt very, very supported. But very, very quickly came the backlash. Mm. I was young. I was naive. You know, because I don't didn't have a boyfriend or anything, I didn't understand what I was talking about. Yeah, so I was too young, I was too naive. Um, why did I say that? Mm. He's got a family. He mm. won't come round here anymore. You pushed him away. It's all your fault. And that was almost more difficult to deal with than the actual incident itself was this sort of wave of, of disbelief or, or dismissiveness. And, and yeah, that, so as, as you say, you know, like listening um, to people and, 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 and trusting them and not to feel mm. that there's an ulterior motive behind it and someone's own sexual experiences shouldn't have any bearing on what actually happens to them. And I've gone very, very serious, and I'm mm. yeah. I'm no, not sure no. If... <laughs> Thank you for sharing that with us. That's um, okay. I don't know if it's. Oh I don't know if that's going to be appropriate. If you want to include that Thank or you. not, yeah. or, I think that, that's up what. to you. But, I think that's um, entirely up to you. Well, I'm just really, I'm really sorry. Um, I'm also very impressed with, um, if you don't mind me saying, with your response to it. Oh, what, throwing him up against a wall? Yeah, that's kind of like the best uh, case scenario that I could have hoped for in that story. Well, it, <laughs> I just, yeah, but it, it was, it was just literally something snapped, something snapped. And me being the consummate professional, even at a tender young age, I would never do something in front of an audience. But as soon as we got into the wings, yeah. Mm. yeah. And I've still got this memory of my arm slamming him and holding and having my arm up against his throat. Because I was so fucking angry. Mm. Wow. Which again, so I can understand why Beth decides to, uh, you know, grab a pillow and all of that rage and frustration comes, you know, comes out. Yeah, I think, and I'm, I'm so glad you've talked about the snap, um, Erica, because to me it was very important that Beth didn't come across as mentally ill. Um, because that's a that's a topic I really hate being trivialized, and I think I tried to make it clear in the script that she wasn't. It wasn't a pre-existing thing. It was just bullshit upon bullshit, and yeah. this was just enough yeah. uh, for her to snap in entirely. So 
I know Poe, I've, I've, I've read Poe, I, I have the title Telltale in my script in front of me, um, but it wasn't until right at the very, very end that I actually twigged and did that kind of like, <laughs> oh yeah, about the link between that and the original story. And then did I Did you think I, I was just it. really unoriginal until, uh, until that point, Erica? Think you were? I thought it was a brilliant original story. Yes. I don't know, but do you think this is this is hitting a lot of similar, forgive the pun, beats to uh, no. Telltale Heart? No, not at all. The only <laughs> time was the only bit was when I was actually reading the thing about, um, and not even at the early ones. You know, you think that it would have started on the. Can you not hear that? <laughs> Script says heartbeat beating. No, no, it was later. It was later, and then I had to go back and reread, and it was like, "Oh my god, you muppet! Of course it is. Of course it is. How could you?" But yeah, I think it it says a lot to your writing the fact that when I first got the script, and you had asked me, you had asked me to do, um, you'd asked me to do a sensitivity reading beforehand, mm. so I I didn't have actor brain on at that time either and it was only so I, I read it and everything and it was only when I kind of read it again and I'm looking for different things as as an actor um that I went oh, of course it's the Telltale Heart by Poe <laughs> Telltale title <laughs> later in the season Erica I'm doing a story where a seagull torments a poet <laughs> and says never again over and never over you know uh, the Raven's funny because I think I think everyone who's a, who's vaguely into Gothic literature enjoys the Raven. And how many of us will admit that our first exposure to it was on The Simpsons? Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered weak and weary over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping. <laughs> As of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. To some visitor. I muttered. Tapping at my chamber door. Only this and When it was read correct by Edgar... No, read by... Oh, come on, Erica. It's Darth Vader. Oh, James L. Jones. James L. Jones. Yeah, there we go. Erica, of course, being... uh, If David and I are to be known as the Doctor Who fans, Erica is very much the Star Wars (laughs) fan. The Force is with me. I'm one with the force and the force is with me. I'm and one also with, the with you. And, the force is with me. There we go. and David hates Star Wars and I'm kind of <laughs> indifferent to Star Wars. Yeah. But mm-hmm. we all love Trek. Yes. Although David hasn't seen Deep Space Nine. Yeah, but it's it's because listening to you doing the drunk ghost stories and you're talking about it's it's weird listening to you because um, talking about um, Trek. It is weird listening I'm, to me, yes. Wait, mm-hmm. I, I'm yeah. a next generation girl. Yeah. So that that would be that would be my go-to. Um, I kind of I, I was I was with DS9, and then it all started to go very very weird in story arc. It's a bit like the X Files. This does have a point. Bear with me. So mm-hmm. the early episodes of the X Files, I absolutely love all of the supernatural stuff and the paranormal stuff. Brilliant. When it starts to go, every episode is it's a conspiracy. It's aliens. It's the government. <laughs> I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> And and I just kind of switched off. And it was like the same with Deep Space Nine. It was fantastic. It was brilliant. And then it was like, everything is, ooh, what was that big thing? There was like the big, the one. The, the Dominion War. Yeah. And it was like, and it all kind of went off into this big thing. And it was like, uh. But no, I, I like um, uh, yep, Next yep, Generation those, and Voyager. Those are my two. Yeah, absolutely. Gotta love Janeway. Yeah. 
Mm. I, I love TNG and, and Voyager as well. Uh, I mean, all Star Trek, with, with the exception of Enterprise. I've never seen you that. Know, so. Oh, it's got some decent episodes, but like out of the hundreds, you've got there's like five good ones. So <laughs> I think I only started watching it because um, Scott Bakula Bakula Quantum Leap oh, guy. I don't know how you say his last name. Um, Bakula. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. it's because he was in Quantum Leap, and I love it. I love Quantum Leap. I can't actually remember anything about the series other than wanting to watch it because it was it was Sam Beckett, Doctor Sam Beckett from Quantum Leap. I haven't seen um, much oh. of Quantum Leap, but there's a, there's, there's a YouTube. It's a bit, bit before my time, Erica. But um, Ooh, there's, a, there's a YouTube channel I love called Gay Culture Cruise, and it's this guy talking about gay representation, particularly in the '90s, um, of which he he mentions that Frasier was the most in, like the most gay-friendly show, even like when you compare to like Will and Grace, because half the writers were gay, and it later <laughs> transpired that half the cast were gay. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, I was a kid and I found out David Hyde Pierce was gay. I was like, but he loves Daphne. Niles loves Daphne. He's not gay. You know? oh, anyway. David Hyde Pierce is adorable. Wonderful, he, he, wonderful actor. Oh, yeah. In fact, if I haven't mentioned it already, I need to tell everyone to go watch The Perfect Host that's on Amazon Prime right now, which is like a black comedy horror film starring David Hyde Pierce. And it's a, it's a bit of a mess. But it's also one of the best films I've ever seen. But yeah, back to uh, Quantum Leap. Apparently Quantum Leap had done an episode where he leaped into the body of a guy who was going to be kicked out of the army. No, he had to stop another guy in the army from killing himself. And and it turns out it's because the, the, they were both gay lovers. And it was a whole thing on Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And what was Sam... Oh, what's the guy's name who was in it? And he went in. On, he was in Battlestar yes, Galactica. Al. Yeah, Al. And, it, and his character is quite homophobic throughout the whole episode. And then he learns a lesson. And it was quite brave of them to do that in the 90s. But then I'm also painfully aware Quantum Leap did an episode where he leaped into the body of a man with Down syndrome. And Ooh. I've seen that one. <laughs> Doesn't age well. <laughs> but... I know Scott Bakula has a lot of sex appeal, and then that's how I think that's why the cast of an Enterprise, you know, for that hairy chest for the ladies, or indeed the men. But he was in a boiler suit for all of it. We never got that. Oh, Erica, he was in the shower loads. Was he? Oh, yeah. Missed and that. He would get into fights, and he'd be like Shatner, like, "Oh no, I'm in a fight for my oh my shirt has ripped." <laughs> oh, again, that's probably why I never really got into it because the whole Shatner. Oh look, my whoops, my clothes have fallen off. Yeah. <laughs> Give me, mm. give me Picard. Mm-hmm. Give me Picard. Make it so. Ooh, is that your type, Erica? Bit of Jean-Luc? Definitely Jean-Luc, yeah. yeah. More oh, Jean-Luc yeah. than, yeah. than yeah. Riker, I'd have to say, definitely. I, I would much rather sit and, mm-hmm. you know, it's Patrick Stewart! <laughs> I would much rather sit, I would much rather sit in the ready room drinking tea and talking Shakespeare, or going on the holodeck where he's playing Robin Hood, <laughs> for crying out loud, than spend... You know, Tight. listening Make to so. than listening to um, mm-hmm. Will Riker play the trombone. Yes, and sitting on chairs weirdly. Yes, I wish I could somehow <laughs> put an audio file in of Riker sitting down weird. Because I don't. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, Jonathan Frakes is he's about my height. He's about six three, and he would approach a chair from behind and just step <laughs> over it, and then, and then find himself <laughs> sitting in it. And if you go on YouTube right now, there is a montage of him sitting in chairs. 
So, David, are you going to regale us with a, a little bit of Poe? It's a treat. Because we've, we've understandably not made many jokes in this discussion, so we, we need a treat. Ah, let's see. True. Nervous. Very, very dreadfully nervous I had been and am. But why will you say that I am mad? The disease has sharpened my senses, not destroyed, not dulled them. Above all was the sense of hearing, acute. I heard all things in the heaven and in the earth. I heard many things in hell. How, then, am I mad? Hearken and observe how healthily, how calmly, I can tell you the whole story. Eric, it was probably the one I recognised some of these lines. I reckon, but yeah, I do recognise some of those words. It's like, oh, and I'm thinking, oh shit, did I just like read it completely the wrong way? Then I'm overwhelmed. I'm very, very touched that you decided to write me a, a script and to have something that was so powerful. And I just, I honestly hope that I've done it justice, despite all of its uh, traumatic. I think overtones. everyone listening. Will be absolutely mm-hmm. blown away by your performance and, and David as well. Hope so. I, I really, really do hope so because when you get when you get scripts like this, you you really do want to do your best. There's that actor ego that wants to to, to show off and prove that you can do this mm. like whole gamut of emotions and everything. But at the same time, you do recognise that these words and these situations can affect so many people in so many different ways you do recognize that responsibility and it's that yeah i i just really hope i've done okay with it um i i can normal i think people will be telling you what no matter what they think of the story i think people will probably be telling you how amazing you know your performances on that so Thank if you. they're not erica if they're not that is blown away by my cameo at the end of the story you know so is, is think... that is that the bit where you just talk over me yeah, as a man, I'll just talk over talk you. Talk over and you, yeah. I, I think that performance is going to really stay with people. So I don't know. I don't know how awards work for podcasts, but if anyone wants to nominate me for my performance in Telltale, <laughs> just, yeah, go ahead. You know, I'm not shy. I'm, I'd, I'd be entirely comfortable with that. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> um, but I will just say, yeah, Erica, it's... Um, if there is anyone that would be able to carry off such a script, it would be you. Oh, thank you. Erica is physically squirming right now, listeners. Oh. Thank, oh. You. thank you very much. And it's always a We're pleasure. We're ruining the image of English people <laughs> to talk about this stuff. I... It's always, always a pleasure to be able to work alongside you. Thank James you. Scott. And thank you for awkwardly wanking me off. Oh. You're... <laughs> You're... You're welcome. <laughs> oh, that's gonna have to. That's gonna have to stay in. <laughs> I think it just came out. Um, <laughs> oh, oh! I just need to sit on that for a while. <laughs> okay, whatever floats oh, you, both. David. Um, oh, I've just walked into that yeah. one. I knew. Well, like, you know, we knew we had to break the tension somehow. <laughs> Christ. But a friend of mine who was reading the script, she said, how are you going to do the sound effects? Are you going to over... Are you going to... Re-? It's like, no, I will not be doing that. Oh, the world of the Foley yep. artist is incredible. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm learning about it. Like, <laughs> like I said, it was driving me mad actually for this episode just before we we wrap up because I was really struggling to get the sound of creaky floorboards. And do you know what you get if you go on like sound effects websites, you know, like like Audio Micro or Pond Five, <laughs> looking for it? Yeah, it's like in, it's like in Slender Chances. I needed a dog. It's a monkey, Erica. David's face is in working. Slender Chances. I needed a dog, <laughs> but I needed a dog sound effect, and there was so many sound effects of guys just going, ruff, 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 you know. <laughs> But for squeaky floorboards, every fucker out there just gets a balloon and just starts rubbing the balloon right next to the mic. Do you know what that sounds like? A balloon! <laughs> <sighs> well, uh, I think that brings our discussion and our episode to an end. Thank you very much, Erica, for um, doing such a sterling performance and for being with us uh, to discuss it afterwards. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you. And thank you, Mark, for your writing and for, um, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I guess one of us should thank David, Erica. Cheers. Mr. (laughs) Yes. Thank you for being uh, a wonderful, wonderful working partner again. And um, yeah, I think this proved yet again that, that I win. You win. Yep, yep, yep. I win. Yep. One nil to you. One nil to me. So far. On, on Shadows at the Door, yes. On Shadows at so the Door, in, yes. In season three, I have to have a David Kills Erica story. Yes. Mm. yes. Does this mean I'm hired again? Woohoo! <laughs> oh. We've got to redress the balance. It's got to be fair. <laughs> we'll talk season three. <laughs> <laughs> but if, if, if the listeners want a season three, that is, you know. Do you, uh, course, do you have a Patreon yeah. or anything yet or something like that? Yes, we have a coffee. Uh, our coffee is live. Um, we are uh, heading towards, uh, or we have our goal up for our third series. So um, if you have enjoyed this, well, if you're, en- if you're enjoying se- series two and want to see a series three, then uh, head to ko-fi.com forward slash shadows at the and door. As Mark has said, so it, you know, this is almost like a promise now. If you want a future story in which David Alt kills me, then uh, yeah. yeah, you know what you have to do. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on coffee right now. I'm, I'm donating all of my life savings. You know, I feel like we could go a little bit further with this. Like, how do you want David to kill Erica? If you want her, if you want David to run her over, donate £4.25. Which particular gothic style would you like for... If you would like Erica to land in a gothic spire, £4.50. Yes. <laughs> if you want to see her locked in the deepest, darkest dungeon for all eternity, four pounds sixty-five. Oh, for the ultimate one, to have Erica die of exhaustion after an intense sexual encounter with David, donate nine hundred pounds. And that's staying in. Um, <laughs> Oh, I'm glad we got some giggles out. This is, I mean, we were saying before we started recording that this was going to be a bit of an awkward one, but yeah, good to get, good to be back at the end. (laughs) (laughs) So until the next time, thank you very much for listening and we shall see you very soon.
You've been listening to a Shadows at the Door production. Story by Mark Nixon. Performances by Erica Sanderson, David Alt, Jake Benson, Ilana Charnel Gelbart, and Mark Nixon. Score by Nico Vitesi. Production by Mark Nixon. Production copyright Shadows at the Door Publishing 2020. Story copyright of the author. If you enjoyed this production, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts, and we'll see you very soon. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues. And it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.